turn with me to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Matthew, the 14th chapter, and we'll begin reading again at verse number 22. On last week, we started uh, speaking from this passage, and our theme was, or the message title was, The Storms of Life. Everybody say, The Storms of Life. How many of you will be willing to testify and admit publicly that you've had some storms in your life? To whatever degree they may have been, you've had some storms in your life. And because you are a born-again believer does not, as I said on last week, exclude us from having storms that come to our life. And storms come in various shapes, forms, and sizes. But I think that as we look at this text and as we begin to examine it real closely, I think we're going to see some things that can enable us to be able to face the storms that come into our life. And we're going to understand and we're going to see through the scripture text that storms do have purpose. Amen. And we're going to also discover that every storm isn't an evil storm. Although it's still a storm, amen, it has purpose. And sometimes in our life, God will allow storms to come because he's trying to work a work in us. Amen. So Matthew, the 14th chapter, and if you will, uh, let's look at verse 22. We're reading from the King James version of the scripture. And the text reads thus far, uh, and straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's about 3 a.m., Jesus went under them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee under the, on the water. He said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. How many of y'all ever felt that way when you were in the storm? I need somebody to help me. Can I get a witness? And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Verse 33, read together. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Amen. Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Amen. Now, again, that, that verse 33, I want you to let that sink in. They said, of a truth, thou art the son of God. And as you look at that and you think about that for a second, these guys had already been walking with Jesus. We're going to see, and we saw it last week, before we even entered into this text, what had happened immediately prior to them getting in the ship and going on the other side? What had happened? He, he fed 5,000 Besides the women and the children, 5,000 men, then you had women and children along with them. And he, he did that with what? Two fish and five barley loaves, amen? That, that's a miracle in and of itself, isn't it? But still now they're saying of a truth, like, okay, now we recognize, man, you somebody. Now they've they seen other stuff, but now we're going to see why they went to the store. Let's, can we go back and just retrace our steps just for a second? Uh, I gave you on last week, I began to share with you uh, on some lessons from the storm that we can uh, begin to apply. And, and, I, and I want you to understand this experience of the disciples that we're going to read about here and we've read about in the storm can be an encouragement to us when we go through the storms of life. If we look at it uh, from its proper context and see what Jesus is trying to do with his disciples here. Uh, and when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm, I think when we learn these principles, we can rest assured that, that God is there with us in the middle of that. Now, I told you on last week that the text said that he constrained him them, the, the KJV. And again, we, we discovered that constrain uh, meant to compel. It literally meant 
he had to make them, he had to make someone do something that they really did not want to do, okay? He had to make them do something that they really did not want to do. Now, when you read this scripture in context, you recognize and understand that there were people were following Jesus. There were people who were following him because of the miracles that he was doing. There, there, was, there, there were many people who were impressed with him, so much so that another passage, it tells us that they were getting ready to make him king. All right? Are y'all listening to me? They were getting ready to make him king. If you will, uh, go with me right quick um, to, uh, uh, to Mark the sixth chapter. I believe that's where I want to go. Go to Mark chapter six right quick. And um, glory to God. And we'll see if, if that's what we want. Mark chapter six. And we'll look at verse number, start at verse number 48. I believe that's where I want to go to. Glory to God. Mark chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all still with me? The storms of life. We will have storms. As a matter of fact, start in verse 45. This is, this is, this is Mark's, Mark's account of that very same issue. But I want to show something to you as we look at this text. And then we'll, we'll move on down. The text says here, and straightway, he constrained disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before into Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Now, the people were clamoring, trying to make him king, trying to make him the ruler. And you got these, these, these influential disciples who, who weren't quite where they needed to be and where they were ultimately going to become. And so, but Jesus had picked them out. And here they are, uh, not really even fully understanding his ministry and not really fully understanding and grasping who he was, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, we saw that when after the storm ceased, they said, For thou art the son of God, as if they didn't know that before. So you had these impressionable disciples here with all these crowds trying to say, we're going to make him to be our king. But Jesus knew that it wasn't time yet. All right, let's keep moving. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Jesus needed some alone time. How many of you know you need some alone time with the Lord? Amen. There are many times in ministry and there are many times that we, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we, we won't spend that time alone with God. We just go, go, go and don't spend that time with God to get refreshed. And when he was even, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone in the land. And he saw them toiling. Now watch this. See, Mark gives us a little bit of a different take on it. Uh, because different uh, gospel writers wrote from their, from their cultural and their, and their viewpoint. But look at what Mark says here. Now watch this. And he saw them what? Tarling in rowing. Let's go to the, can we, can we flip to the New Living Translation on this verse right quick? Mark 6 and verse number 40. I want you to watch this, okay? Because I think there's some things that we're going to learn. It says, he saw that they were in serious trouble. Now, again, the text said previously that he was there by himself. He was still on land. But they were out on the sea, right? They had gotten farther enough away from the land where they couldn't jump out the boat and swim back to shore. So they were away from the land. Jesus was alone, but guess what the text says? He saw that they were in serious trouble. Listen, when you're going through something, make no mistake about it. Jesus knows exactly where you are. And he sees you. Can I get a witness? My Bible tells me that he'll never what? Leave me, nor what? Forsake me. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard <laughs> and struggling against the wind and the waves. See, sometimes when we're in storms, you know, we're struggling. We're trying to get through that. We don't understand why it's happening. And, 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 we, and, and if we, we're honest about it, sometimes we, we wonder, where is Jesus in the middle of the storm? The text says, rowing hard and struggling against the winds and the waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. Watch what the text says in the next verse. It says, but when they saw him, Walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Verse number 50. Come on, let's read. It says what? They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am what? I am here. Verse 51. Watch this. It says what? Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were what? Totally amazed. Keep reading. For they still, watch this, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. They were still confused about what happened before they got into the ship. They were still puzzled about this miracle and did not fully grasp what it meant 
And so Jesus is still trying to work on them. That's why he constrained them to get into the ship because they needed to grow a little bit. He says, now watch what the text says here. Watch this. Here are the disciples who just saw Jesus feed 5,000 besides women and children with two fish and five barley loaves. Y'all just told me that, right? And they saw that miracle, but what the text says, their hearts were too hard to take it in. In other words, these guys saw this, but their heart wasn't changed. Let me tell you something, a miracle won't change your heart. People say, well, if I see somebody raised from the dead, I know I'm going to believe. No, 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 no. They just saw a miracle, and the Bible says what? Their hearts were too hard to even take it in and understand it. So Jesus still, who sees our hearts, still has to, to take us through some things sometimes to deal with our hearts. Did your Bible say this? I'm going to read from the King James. In verse 52, it says, For they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Correct? They still had hard, hard hearts. Even though they saw Jesus' miracles, even though they walked with him, they heard his teachings. But at this stage in their ministry, their heart had not changed. I'm sitting here wondering, as your pastor of this church for the last 29 years, I'm wondering, are you still, after 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, is your heart still hard? Do, do, do you really truly understand what God is trying to do in your life? Have you seen him work miracles in others' lives? Have you seen him do it in your life, but your heart still hadn't changed? Their hearts were too hard, the text says, to take it in. Now, can we get back? I, I gave you lesson point number one. Can we, can we chew on that just for a second? Lesson point number one. I told you that it is possible to find yourself in the worst storm of your life and be slapdab. This is in my, I didn't tell y'all slap dab. I don't know how to spell slap dab, okay? But it's, it's possible to find yourself in the worst storm of your life and be right in the middle of the will of God. Can we repeat that together? It is possible, make it personal, for me to find myself in the worst storm of my life and be right in the middle of of the will of God. Now, when we hear that, that kind of blows our mind because we are the, of, the, of the viewpoint of the opinion that if I'm in God's will, no storm should come my way. But I got news for you. Sometimes God still has to work on us just like he had to work on these disciples because they saw the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 beside women and children, but their hearts were still what? Heart. So, so, so it's possible to find ourselves in the worst storm of our life and be right in the middle of the will of God. Because see, sometimes we got to realize, we got to understand that some storms God brought us to them. He brought me here. Amen. The storm became because the storm came because they were in the will of God and not like Jonah out of the will of God. Jonah, y'all remember, he was out of the will of God, not willing to go and preach what God told him. So a storm arose in his life. But this storm was a little bit different. Can I get a witness? They were not out of the will of God because remember, Jesus had to make them get in the ship. He had to send them across and they got into the ship finally and they were moving, but the storm came. Amen. Did he deliberately direct them into the storm? Yes, he did. Amen. They were safer in the storm in God's will than on land with the crowds outside of God's will. Because see, the folks in the crowd were trying to make Jesus king, and you had these impressionable, carnal-minded disciples who had not grown in their faith, even to the point that where they recognized that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. They knew he was an anointed man, a preacher, a prophet of God, but still, they did not quite grasp the, the, the fullness of his ministry. Because the text says their hearts were still hard. So Jesus knows our hearts. He knows when we come into church and we really just kind of coming and going through the motions. He knows when we really have a heart and mind to, to do the stuff that we hear on Sundays and Wednesdays and discipleship training, our personal time with the Lord. He knows if we're really serious about this thing or not. Can I get a witness? So he sees us. Amen. He saw remember we, we read the text. He saw them in, in Mark 6 says they were tall and they were struggling. Can I get a witness? Because again, uh, when you get into a, a ship or a boat, and then you, when, when storms are, uh, and the winds were contrary like that, you, sails won't do you any good. You got to pull the sails down and start rowing. 
You got to start working. Because in the normal course, when the wind is, is, is doing what it's supposed to do, it's blowing the way it's supposed to blow, you set the sails and you just ride along. But when the storms and the winds are contrary, going counterproductive to each other, it, it, it's subject to, to be like a, a cyclone. You know, y'all know what a cyclone is, kind of like a tornado on over water. Uh, Bill will be here next week. We'll ask him about that. Amen. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that's what a cyclone is. Or, or, what's that thing you call it? Okay, whatever. Everybody say, good enough, Pastor. Good enough. <laughs> now, 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 watch this. Watch this. See, see the text says that, that, that Jesus sent them and constrained them to go over onto the other side. In reading and studying our Bibles, guys, we discover that there are, there are two kinds of storms. Two kinds of storms. Let's make a mental note of this. Two kinds of storms. Storms of correction. Everybody say, storms of correction. And that's when God disciplines us. Two kinds of storms, storms of correction, when God disciplined us, and, and there are storms of perfection. Storms of perfection, that's when God helps us to grow. Two kinds of storms, it's not in my notes up there, but write this down. Two kinds of storms, storms of correction, that's when God disciplines us, and then there are storms of what? Perfection, that's when God helps us to grow. As I mentioned to you earlier, Jonah was in a storm because he disobeyed God and had to be corrected. The disciples were in a storm because they obeyed Christ and had to be perfected. See, Jesus had tested them in a storm before when he was in the boat with them back in, you remember the account over in Matthew, the 8th chapter, verses 23 to 27. We won't go there, but, but remember he was, in, he was asleep, the Bible says, in the hinder part of the ship. And, 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 and the storm began to rage and then they, they got worried and they got afraid and Jesus was there asleep in the midst of the storm. And sometimes we feel like he's sleeping in our storm. I said we feel like that. Come on, y'all be honest with me. I know you're spiritual. I know you're speaking other tongues. I know you read your Bible. But there are some times in life when you're going through some stuff, you can't feel his presence. But when I don't feel him, I still can trust him as the one who will provide. Because my faith ain't based on how I feel. But remember, remember when, when the disciples says, you know, when the disciples were going through the storm and Jesus was on the ship, he was in the hiding part of the ship, in, in, again, in Matthew 8, 8 chapter, and somebody went, woke it up and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Are you not concerned that we about to get drove in this storm? And Jesus got up and said, what? Peace. Be still. I love the fact that I serve the one who can speak to the storm of my life and say, just peace, be still. Can I get a witness up in heaven? That's the kind of God we serve when we're in the middle of something. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. Storms don't feel good. Don't feel good. But, 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 but listen, what's, what, again, what are the two types? The, the kinds of the storms of what? Correction when God has disciplined us, and then there are storms of perfection when God helps us to grow. Jonah was in a storm because he disobeyed, but the disciples were in a storm because they obeyed Christ and had to be perfected. Yeah? Many Christians have the mistaken idea that obedience to God will produce smooth sailing. But I'm here to tell you right now, that's not accurate. I know... People have said this, and, and this is true from, the, from, from a theological standpoint. Come to Jesus and everything will be all right. How many of y'all heard it before? Amen. Shout your troubles over. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to shout because troubles going to come to your house. See, listen, come to Jesus and everything will be all right means that when I come to him, my eternal security is settled because I am saved, sanctified, filled with his Holy Ghost, and he seals me unto the day of redemption. That part of my life is true. Listen, eternally, I'm not worried about where I'm going to go when I die. Because Jesus has made it all right. But while I'm here on this earth, while God is trying to perfect me, there are some things that will come into my life and in your life, and they're designed to either correct us or to perfect us. Everybody say correct and perfect. Either way, the storm's still tough, isn't it? 
Some of us in, in the middle of relational storms right now. Some storms that the relationship that you're in aren't just right. They're not what they need to be. But, and you feel like it's hopeless. But I'm here to tell you that when you learn how to trust Jesus, when you learn how to get in this word and know that he's able to speak to those storms in your life, then you can, you can have confidence assurance. Though even though you can't feel it, you know it's going to be all right. All right? So, 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 so it's possible to find yourself in the worst storm of your life and be right in the middle of the will of God. See, he's praying for us, y'all. Do y'all realize that? He is praying for us. So storms will come in our life. This, this entire scene it really is a dramatic picture of the church and the Lord today. God's people are on the sea and in the midst of a storm, yet Jesus Christ is in heaven making intercessions for us. Y'all do that, right? The Bible says he's seated on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for us. Make no mistake about it. He sees you right where you are. He sees me right where I am. The text says in Mark that he saw them toiling. He saw them struggling in the midst of the storm and he came to them. He, he knew their struggle, guys, just as he sees us and knows our needs. He feels the burdens that we feel and knows what we're going through. Go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, right there, right quick. Hebrews 4 and verse 14. And we'll look at that from the New Living Translation. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 14. And guys, let me tell you something. I, I, I share this with you because I think it's really important that we understand and know this. And I like to read from the NLT. I like to preach from the KJV, but I like the NLT because it's modern. It's a little bit more modern language, and it's it's true to the text. I, I believe this. You know, the original text was written in Hebrew and Greek, and so since none of us in here are Greek scholars or Hebrew scholars, uh, if I want to be to, to go back to the original text, I have to go to Hebrew and Greek, and then all of us would be confused, wouldn't we? And so, and, and, and a lot of us don't understand King James English, and so, so sometimes King James English can be a little confusing because words mean different things at different times. So I like to use the New Living Translation. That, that some, now, you'll go to some places, they say it's KJV or you're going to hell. But, that's, but listen, KJV was a translation from the original text. Now, you got to be careful with different Bible translations because some will take liberty with the text. All right, so, but I, I, I found the New Living Translation for the most part to be feel pretty fair and accurate. And, and, and I do still use the KJV and I still go back and study Greek words because I want to understand what the original language says. So that's why I use the New Living Translation because we talk that way. It don't make you more spiritual because you can quote a verse in KJV versus modern language. Because we grew up, it sounds real deep and spiritual when we can, when we can quote the KJV. But there's no magic in KJV, okay? Y'all with me? The magic, there's no magic in anything. It's anointing in the word of God because the Bible was written as men wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? So you, but you got to know that because there, I told y'all, guys, the word of God is under attack. The enemy knows that in order to, to render the church ineffective, he's got to get you to believe that this ain't God's anointed word. And it's all this other stuff out there Come on, that you need to study and read. Let me tell you something, baby. Get, get into your word. Know your doctrine. Because there's a lot of foolishness out there, and, it, and people are snapping it up because they don't know Bible doctrine. Bible doctrine may not be the most exciting thing because I'm not telling you in Bible doctrine how to get how to, five steps to get, get free from your debt. Well, I'm not telling you three ways to make your husband get right because you can't make your husband get right. He got to let the Lord help him get right. So when you, but, but you got to know doctrine because if you don't, you'll be easily persuaded by all these flowery arguments that you hear in the barbershops and the beauty shops and on the street corners. And you need to know what you believe. So we're going to teach Bible doctrine here. And we're going to understand, come to, come to midweek Bible class when we break down books of the Bible and go through it and ask questions of the text. Amen. So, but I, I just wanted to let you know that that's why I use the NLT because, it, listen, it, it resonates with you more clearly. And, and when I read the KJV, we try to dig beneath the, sur dig beneath the surface and give you some understanding. Is everybody still with me? Now watch this right quick, okay? So Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse number 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. It says, hold what? Firmly to what we what? Believe. Now watch what it says in verse 15. Read. This high priest of ours, he does what? 
He understands, guys, our weaknesses. And we all have them. Look at me. Y'all look at me. All of us in here have weaknesses. All of us in here have shortcomings. None of us in here are walking in sinless perfection. And so we better be glad that we got a high priest who understands our weaknesses. The text says, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Our high priest did not succumb to sinful pressure and temptation. He was tempted. Mark, Matthew 4, chapter, y'all know it. When the enemy came to him, every time the enemy came, he says, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that does what? Proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall I serve. It is written. He went to the word. Our high priest, amen, he was tempted, and he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. Thank God he did not yield. He's, he was God manifesting the flesh. Watch what the text says in the next verse. Come on, let's go. So since we know we have a high priest who, who, who knows and understands our weaknesses and who's been tested in every point like we have. Now, guys, let that sink in. He has been tested in every point. He's been tempted in every point that you and I have been. Temptation is not sin, but yielding to the temptation of sin. In every point that we've been tempted, Jesus Christ was tempted with the very same thing. Okay? Yet he didn't, he didn't yield. Thank God he didn't yield. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. How many in here need some grace? I don't know about you, but I know I do. I need some grace and some mercy. Glory to God. I need it. But he says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So that tells me, guys, that when I am in need, I don't have to feel intimidated. Or I don't have to feel like I can't go to God. Because if you ever mess up so bad, you feel like you don't even deserve the right to go to God. You know what I've been up before? I mean, you, you, your conscience is, 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 is berating you and people are berating you, making you feel like you don't have the right to go to God. But let me tell you something. You always have the right to come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace. Because we have a high priest who understands our weakness. He doesn't condone them, but he understands them. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't give us a license to continue on in it, but he understands it. Because he was tempted just like we are. So, so there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now get back to our text in Matthew the 14 chapter. Y'all still with me? So, so he was praying, Jesus is, is praying for us at all times. He's interceding for us. Amen. He is interceding for us. And guess what? He, he'll come to us. Y'all do realize that, right? There'll be, there'll be times, again, like we feel like Jesus we may feel like he's deserved us, but we know that he has not because the word says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Y'all remember in Psalms, and I don't want to try to go there, but David complained that God seemed far away and unconcerned, yet he knew God would ultimately rescue him. There was a point in time when the apostle Paul got into a situation so difficult that he, he actually felt like it was all over you ever felt like it was all over? Go to 2 Corinthians with me right quick. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And let's look at this right, real quickly, verse number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 8. And notice Paul's uh, uh, thinking and his thought process here because I'm trying to help you to understand that you, you may be in a storm, you may have been through a storm, but you know what? God will see you through that storm. And we need to be trying to figure out, is this a storm of correction? Or is it a storm of perfection? Is he trying to get something out of me? Or is he trying to perfect me? In other words, a corrective storm is one that, that seeks to turn our decision in back around. These disciples were carnally minded. They, they didn't quite grasp it. Their hearts were still hardened. They were, they were, they, remember what they told Jesus when those, all those folks wanted food? They said, Jesus, send these folk away. Let them go into the village and buy, some, buy something to eat because we, we don't have enough to feed them. We ain't got enough money. But Jesus had 
compassion on it. And compassion will move you to action. Look at what the text says here. Watch this. Paul says this. What? Let's read together. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Y'all reading with me. I I hear two people reading. Come on now. Let's go. Let's read together. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Watch this. Beyond our ability. Can we read that again? Stop, stop. Have you ever felt like you were been in a storm where you felt like you were just crushed and you were beyond your ability to stand it, a baby stand up on it? He says we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Guys, there's some storms that have happened in some of our lives. And we thought we wouldn't ever get through it. We felt like, this is it. I can't take anymore. I'm just wore out. I'm, I'm tired. I can't fight anymore. So Paul was, he says, he says, we thought, we thought, we thought. See, our thoughts come, right? And we got to bring those thoughts into captivity. He said, we thought we would never live through it. But look at the next verse. Can you read with me? In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying. Look, look. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Glory be to God. I think Paul was saying, listen, even if I die, he'll raise me from the dead. See, sometimes when we're in the middle of our storms, we keep relying on ourselves. We rely on our intellect. We are, we, we are, we are relying that there's a place there's a proper place for counseling, clinical counseling, spiritual counseling, but there's a proper place for God to deal with us and counsel us too. He said, look at what he says, guys. He says, listen, we, we, it was so hard, I thought we were going to die. He says, but in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, as a result, everybody says as a result, we stop relying on ourselves. That's, that's the problem that we have when we're in the middle of a storm. We keep relying on ourselves, our intellect, our resources, and not realizing that it is God who wants to come to us and show us how to get through the storms. Oh, glory. This, this, this is strong in my spirit because I realize that, that there's some things in all of our lives that we got to learn how to trust God. Stop trusting yourself. But you can't, you can't trust God and you can't depend on God if you won't when he comes to you, when he's, he's trying to speak to you through his word and we, he wants you to spend time with him when we reject him. When we reject him and try to do it on our own, I'm just going to be by myself. You don't need to be by yourself. Because when you're by yourself and aim with Jesus, and a lot of times people say that, they just say, I want to get along, I don't feel like being around. And sometimes you can go through some stuff you don't feel like being around nobody. Anybody ever been there before? Just, y'all just leave me alone. Please leave me alone. And people be meaning well, but the average person, average Christian, they, they, they have a heart of gold, but they don't know what to say. Because they hadn't really, they hadn't, they hadn't studied, they hadn't been through, you know, come on, people, people mean well sometimes, but sometimes the stuff that they say just don't, don't resonate, does it? And so sometimes we got to just pray for people and quit trying to figure it all out for them. Because the truth be told, sometimes we don't know if it's a storm of perfection or a storm of correction. Because we don't know all the, 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 the different venues and attitudes of people's lives. We don't know what people are sometimes. We don't know what they're going through in their private life. And so, so it's best to pray for them. Amen. But I want to encourage you, don't stop coming to church when you're going through a storm. You need your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you. The worst thing in the world you can do is get alone when you're in the middle of a storm because that's what the devil wants to try to wear you out. He'll, 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 he'll mess with your thought life. He'll, he'll get you in that state to where you, it's woe is me and ain't nobody, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Yes, somebody does. Because ain't nothing that you've been through that somebody else on this earth hadn't been through. But see, God is the one who's able to see you through the storm. Come on, I got to keep going, y'all. It's just what, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and, re, and learned to rely on, only on God who rages the dead. Look at the next verse. It says what? And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. See, when God has came through for you before, you all know that if he did it once, he'll do it again. 
Look at this. If he did rescue us from the mortal danger, he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence where? In him. And he will what? Yes, he will continue to rescue us. I serve a God, Miss Bonnet, who's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that I could ask or think. And when trials come my way, when the storms of life come, I know he is the one who will stand by me, Sister Him. Amen. They say the storms of life are raging, stand by me. He will do it. But you got to know that. You got to have that confident assurance. Like Paul said, Paul said, <laughs> look what Paul said. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. You know what mortal danger is? Number one, we're about to be taken out of here. Mortal means that the danger that we were facing was, was, was about to take us out. He rescued us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Glory to God. Jesus always comes to us in the storms of life. Amen. He always does. He may not come at the time we think he should come. Come on now, because God's timing is not our timing. How many of y'all will, will agree? Because uh, th there's some time when I thought, God, listen, God, you should have came, uh, you know, five, you should have came last year, God. <laughs> Come on now, y'all ever have these conversations with God? God, now listen, God. I I know you you the one who knows everything, and, and but right now, God, I just kind of I kind of feel like I, I kind of thank God that if you really were God, you know, you, you ought to just kind of come right now. But I found it to be true. What the old saint said, Craig, he may not come when you want him, Lou. But he's always on time. That's the kind of God I serve. I serve that kind of God. And I've learned to trust his timing, Eric Henderson. I've learned to trust that he will do it when it needs to be done. And you know what that does for me? It stops me from worrying. Because now instead of me trying to figure out when he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. Now I'm saying I, I still got to do my I, faith without works is dead. But I ain't trusting in my works. I'm trusting in the one who going to come to me in the storm. The one who, who in, 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 in some cases, sent storms of correction to my life. And then there's some cases where he sent storms of perfection to my life to grow me. Are y'all listening to me today? So, uh, so let's get back to our text. Get back to Matthew 14. I got, I got to keep moving. So, gosh. You know, I, I, you know, in Matthew, it talks about Peter. Mark doesn't say about Peter walking on water, but we know that contextually when we look at those are the same passages, dealing with the same situation, just that uh, he didn't talk about Peter. But Peter jumped out of the boat early. And I told you, Peter was, 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 was the boisterous one. He was the one that was always speaking up first. And so I don't, I don't knock Peter too bad because nobody else got the boat. Come on. It was a crowd up there. A lot of times you, you walk with the crowd, ain't nobody else stepping out. At least he said, if it be you, Lord, bid me to come unto you. And Jesus said, what, come? And what did Peter do? He stepped out on his word. Nobody else said, bid me to come. Ghost. Ghost. Ooh. He said, come if it's you. So I, 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 I'm not going to knock him too bad for sinking because he stepped out at first. Can I get a witness? Look, look, look back with me. Let's, let's get back here right quick. Right. So, so Peter's experience turned out to be a blessing to the other disciples as well as to himself when they saw the power of Christ in conquering and calming the storm. And I want, I want you to understand something. Look, lesson number two, we said obedience demands an immediate response. Obedience demands an immediate response. An immediate response. The disciples found out that their skill sets as fishermen, because you know, as a fisherman, you're a commercial fisherman, you got to know how to, 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 to sail a boat. You got to know how to, to deal with storms. So it, it wasn't the first storm they dealt with, but this, one, this storm was very contrary. It was very violent. Uh, and, and so their skills became useless in this storm. Make a note of that. Their skills 
their personal skills as commercial fishermen became null and void in the midst of this violent storm. And I'm going to tell you something. That's what God will do when he's trying to perfect us. Because sometimes when we go through storms and, and we think we got the skill sets to make our way through those storms, come on now, we start to trust that it's us that got us through the storm. But there are some things that God, when he's trying to perfect our hardened hearts, that he will allow to come into our lives, that our education, our, 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 our ability to communicate, our finances, uh, our healthiness won't get us through that. See, all, when you got a disease that may be terminal, all the money in the world can't help you per se. Now, a doctor can perform a procedure, but he can't bring the healing. There have been plenty of folks who had surgery performing them and they died still. See, God is the, is the giver of life. So there'll be some times when God will allow you to go through some things to where your skill sets and your ability won't get you through it because if he did allow that storm to come and your skill set got you out of it, you'd be saying just like the children of Israel would, would say, you know, it was my intellect, it was my ability that got me through this thing. Because man, man can be real prideful. Oh, we some proudful son of a guns. Why y'all laughing? Y'all some, y'all, okay. All right, we, we can be prideful. But God will take us through some things, Brother Reuben, that we can't get through on our own. And we know it's God. See, when God comes through for us, Jerry, when, when, when we don't have the skill set, the money, the intellect, or whatever to get through it, then we know it wasn't nobody but God. Hallelujah. Obedience demands an immediate response. So when, when Jesus said, come, Peter stepped out. Everybody said he stepped out. Glory to God. Third point I want you to write down. First, second one is obedience demands an immediate response. The third thing we learn from this is that Jesus doesn't always come the way we expect him to. He doesn't always come the way we expect him to. How many of y'all have found it to be true in your life? Glory to God. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Well, because they were not looking for him. Had they been waiting by faith, they would have known him immediately. Instead, they jumped to the false conclusion that he was a ghost. Let me tell you something. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart because fear always blinds the eyes to the presence of the Lord. Fear will blind your eye to the presence of the Lord. You remember what the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God has to believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that do what? Diligently seek him. And so, so when we're not operating by faith, then, then we, can't, we can't, you know, we, 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 fear, when fear is, is, takes over on the throne of our life, then faith cannot coexist there. They, they, can't, they can't be in the same place. Now, I'm not saying sudden fear don't come because when a storm comes, our heart begins to beat, doesn't it? When we think we're in trouble for something, our hearts begins to race. That's sudden fear. But remember, we, we, we quote it all the time. Be not afraid of what? Sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. Because the devil's going to come and try to trip you up. The devil's going to come and try to get you to the state where you get your eyes off of Jesus and his word and put it on the circumstance. He wants you to meditate on the trouble. He wants you to focus on it so much so that you forget about the promise. Because he knows if he can get you to doubt God's word, he'll get you to doubt God. Because you doubt my word, that means you doubt me. Come on now. Pastor, you really going to give me that $100 that you said? For real. See, see, now, see, now there's something inside of your head thinking maybe he will, maybe he won't. Because if you knew I'm going to give you the $100, you said, Pastor told me he'll give me $100 on Friday. I'll be able to pay that electric bill and everything going to be all right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't come back to my, uh, Pastor, you sure you're going to do it? And don't be texting me to my, uh, you sure? And don't, don't send me one of the emojis. Is that what they call those things? Trying to communicate your fear. If you believe that I'm going to do it, take me at my word. That's what God is trying to get us to a point to where we take him at his word. Now, guys, let me tell you something. You will not take him at his word if you don't have word in you. Faith cometh by hearing 
not having heard one time, that term in its original root means a consistent hearing. That's why you come to church every week. Not every three weeks or every three months or every three years. You come consistently to get word so that faith can be built up in your heart. As I hear God's word more and more, man, I become, I become more confident in my ability. How many of y'all watched uh, any of the NCAA basketball tournament and saw what that number 16 seed did something that had never been done in NCAA history? They took down a number one seed. It, it, it's always been a given that the 16th seed, which is usually a small school from a small conference, doesn't have the wherewithal or the ability to be the number one seed. But guess what? Somebody forgot to tell those guys from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. They forgot to tell them. What? Say what? Oh, forgot to tell them? Am I speaking Ebonics up here, y'all? Excuse me, forgot to tell them that a number one seed is not supposed to beat, a number 16 seed is not supposed to even be in the same gym with a number one seed. And guess what, guys? Here's, here's, here's the beauty of that, of, of that particular deal. It wasn't a buzzer beater. They didn't just barely scrape by. They beat them by 20 points. Take them to the woodshed. Y'all know what that means? Took them to the woodshed. But guys, that wasn't supposed to happen. Let me tell you something. If, if, if we're going to go with God, we got to get to a point in our lives where we can believe the impossible. We got to get to a point in our lives where if God promises it to us, then we know he will bring it to pass. And that doesn't come by reading the word every now and then. It comes by having a consistent diet of God's word because faith cometh by and hearing by what? That means I got to consistently have it put inside of my ear gates that we can't accomplish this thing. We can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I get a witness? Mental assent is not good enough because I can mentally say something that is, 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 okay, I believe that, but I got to get it down in my heart. Because it was in my heart, the devil can't come steal it. Remember the parable of, of, of the sower? When the seed fell onto the different grounds? When it falls into the good ground heart, it takes root and it germinates. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen? So obedience demands an immediate response and Jesus doesn't always come the way we expect him to. Peter jumped out of the boat. He began to sink, yes, but I got to give him credit for getting out the boat. Some of us are riding with folk who are just going to stay in the boat. Some of y'all hanging out with people who are going to stay in the boat. They're going to look at everybody else. I ain't getting out this ship. It's safe in here. Well, let me tell you something. Guys, if you're in the middle of a storm and it's violent and it's raging, you might as well get out the boat because the storm's going to kill you anyhow. Step out of the boat and begin to walk to Jesus. That's what he did. He heard the master say, come. He heard him, guys. If Jesus says, come, then that word is going to accomplish its intended purpose. Since he's the author and the finisher of our faith, whatever he starts, he completes. Can I get a witness? We may fail along the way, but in the end, God will succeed. Jesus and Peter walked on the water together and they went to the ship. Guys, it's important to know that Jesus doesn't always come the way we expect him to. He don't always come through the people who we have gained confidence that he's going to come through. Sometimes God will use somebody who's random. Somebody, who, some mundane person, some, or even, God will even use somebody who you don't like to deal with your hard heart. Because remember, the text said, I didn't say it, the text says, they had sought Jesus, feed the 5,000 beside women and children with the five, two fish and five barley loaves, yet their hearts were still hardened. So this was a storm of perfection that they were going through because their hearts were not in the right place. They were walking with Jesus, but their hearts were still hard. How many of y'all have been walking with Jesus when your heart was still hard? So when you, when you listen, 
Jesus doesn't always come the way we expect him to. Glory to God. He doesn't always come the way we expect him to. Now, fourth, fourth lesson, I want you to write this down, and, and, and I'm going to stop here because my time is about out. And we'll get these last three on next week, okay? Fourth, fourth, fourth lesson. When you begin to follow, this is real critical, when you begin to follow the voice of God, when you begin to follow the voice of God, that should be just most people won't understand. Not the most, but that's my, my typo. When you begin to follow the voice of God, most people won't understand. Some of y'all came to this church and your family members didn't understand. They ain't understand that. Boy, you've been in this church all your life. I remember very vividly my, my, my grandma on my team, when she's gone with the Lord now. But when I, when I was, um, uh, Maria and I got married. Yeah, we were married. Um, and I felt the Lord tugging on my spirit uh, to, to, to unite with her church back up in Haynesville because we were integrally involved in, in the music and, and youth ministries. And I remember having a conversation with my grandmother, and she said, you know, but, uh, little fella, that's what they used to call me, little fella. Uh, why somebody said, mm. Somebody said, mm, like, that, like, where did that nickname come from? Leroy, can you help me? Leroy, help me. Somebody said, mm, little fella. All right, now, y'all be quiet over there. I got the name little fella because I, when I was born, I was born small. I don't know if I was in premature or whatever, but I, I came before the time because I was born in the car. Is that right, Paul? On the way to the hospital by the auction born on Benton Road. That's where I came out. I don't know if there's a message in it or not. But they were auctioning cows over in the... And I was coming out. So they, I was small, so they called me little fella. Okay. All right, so now, that, that's solve your curiosity. She said, she said you, you, you've been in, in Elizabeth all your life. This is your home church. So she didn't quite understand it. And a lot of times family members don't quite understand it when you're moving with God. Because they, you know, they, 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 I understand where she was coming from. But, but look, look at it. I'm, I'm right back here. <laughs> See how God did that thing? I mean, I was there for really a short period of time. Uh, maybe year and a half, two. Yeah. We got married in 85. I moved here in eight, yeah, so, so we, we, yeah, eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. So about three, three year period, I guess, three year period. So, so now I'm, I'm back here where, where, you know, where, where I belong. But at the time God did move me out and brought me back. But it can't be about family ties. It's got to be about God ties. And again, when God moves, God says move, you move with God. But just make sure you're hearing God and not people. All right? So, so when you begin to follow the voice of God, most people won't understand. They won't understand. I, 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 I'll unpack that on next week. Amen? I'll unpack that on next week. Glory to God. Everybody say the storms of life. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.